Brian down. Brewer throwing for the corner of the end zone. It's caught. Touchdown. Pressure again. Flushed out by Tafua. Toward the sideline. Throws it back. And it's juggled and tipped and intercepted. Off the hands of Randall Bryant. And Utah comes away with it. And it's Devin Lloyd to pick. Second and two after an eight-yard pickup. Another carry for Tavion Thomas inside the 10. Tripped up. Keeps going. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. It is your Utah Preview Show right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Hansel and Scott Gerard. thanks for joining us on this Thursday, just two days away from the Holy War. Another edition. As we fired get, up. As we get closer... Scotty, obviously we'll get more and more information about the personnel that will be on the field for the University of Utah, but I continue to believe that we are going to see more than two players that we did not see in game one against Weaver State. Really? I'm not just, I'm not just you know, emphasizing offensive line. I just think that there are going to be players available for this rivalry game that were not available for the Weber State game, for one reason or the other, whether it was camp, nicks and dings, or other uh, other issues. Um, I do expect to see some personnel on the field. And, and I've talked specifically about um, the offensive line. I, I believe, and I just kind of read into Kyle Whittingham's tone, I believe that we're going to see at least one returning offensive linemen, if not two, um, purely based off of reading into his comments. Yeah, I uh, and and we'll revisit those conversations from, with Kyle Whittingham coming up a little bit later on in the uh, 1 o'clock hour, 105. If you missed that conversation with Kyle Whittingham, we'll replay that again at 105. It was great to have him and Kalani Sataki on the show uh, during Rivalry Week. So this has been a lot of fun. But with that said, that's that's a huge addition uh, for Utah, which already looked good against Weber State, but to add a few more bullets to the gun is going to be uh, advantageous in a big way. It is, and they, like you mentioned, they looked good. It was there were some very average moments. Uh, I thought that Nick Ford really held it down, and I felt like Braden Daniels had his moments, and I felt like. Bam and Simi probably had their moments. You know, I, I think, uh, and I, it's really tough to tell on some assignments. They really attacked the left side of that offensive line. They attacked Bam yeah. Olesini uh, with the blitzing and different schemes. How disappointed are you? Because Bam, you know, had an opportunities in the past and had some struggles. Was it the Washington game? Yep. Was that 19? Or was it just last year where he had some struggles? Anyway. That was, good question. 19, I think. I think it was 19. Yeah, it was 19. So we've seen that pop up here and there. And you hope he makes straight. I mean, like, that's a guy. Because he's, he's put a lot of work into himself. And that's also a guy that walks off the bus and you're like, whew. Put him off first, yeah. That's a guy. You know, that's mm-hmm. a dude right there. But the question is, can he live up to that? And it was, 
I don't want to say disconcerting. It was uh, you thought you might see a little bit more from him, but that doesn't mean you close the book on him by any stretch. Yeah, I'm wondering what I can't get to. One of the hardest things because I love doing film study. Yeah. I, I like it because it teaches me. It teaches me what's going on with these universities and their rosters, and so I can speak more confidently. But there's one thing that I can't get to the bottom of in film review, and that is mental mistakes. And the biggest grade, and Scott, you know this from your years of playing on the line and your years of playing football. Biggest grade that a football player gets, it's the first thing that you're graded on, is mental errors. Yes. That's the number one thing. And so I'm wondering how BAM graded on the mental side of things. Because with some of the scheme and sliding out too wide, and and I don't know if there were mic designation issues, but there were too many guys that popped free. I'll just put it that way. Somebody on that offensive line graded well under a 70. Well under. And I don't know who it is because I don't know how Jim Harding designs every scheme for every blitz. And Weber State made it really difficult. They made it a mental game. Yeah, they did. They made it a numbers game. Yep. And Utah did a good job of making it a numbers game on the their offensive side too. <clears throat> they they did some things with jumbo sets that I thought were awesome, and, and and some different jumbo sets and motion looks to to pull the numbers game. But somebody's making mental errors on that offensive line, and they better straighten that crap up because BYU'll take advantage of that. BYU's got linebackers and they got numbers and they they can throw different pressures from all over the place. You know Kalani's really adept at that. Yes. So whatever they're doing offensively up front with that that unit, they all better get their their academics on the field put together. But I suspect we'll see at least one starter replaced from last week. Which doesn't mean they're not going to get opportunities throughout the game either. No. Nope. Like Bam's going to if, – if it is Bam uh, or whoever it might be, they're, they're still going to get plenty of opportunities in that game. Totally. They absolutely will. They'll get they'll get opportunities throughout the year. Now, if they continue to repeat their mental errors, then that'll get you pulled really fast. Two or three games. You still show mental errors two or three games. I can't risk it with you. Because only, especially in this game against BYU, and how opportunistic this defense is going to be, you, you slip up once, you miss a protection, uh, or you miss a slide, or whatever the case is, Charlie Brewer's on his back. He might get injured. You might have a strip sack, a fumble return. Like, those are the plays. And you talk about yeah. only one or two plays can change the outlook of a game really quickly. Yeah, that's the that's the key, and especially in this game. And it always seems like that happens in this rivalry. Every game, year. Where, you know, Every it year. just feels like, oh, man, this game was close. It was 6-6. Like, you go back to the uh, game that last time these two teams played, it was like 30-12 to was the final or something like that. But it's 6-6, like midway through the second quarter. Zach Wilson throws that pick six and then to Francis Bernard, and then it's over at that point. Yep. And it doesn't feel like – I mean, it didn't wasn't over score-wise, but it just felt like it, and then Utah just piles on at that point. You know guys, both BYU and Utah football players, and I'm sure you've heard it. It's a reoccurring theme when we're talking to the athletes. 
especially the former athletes. Hell, when we talked to Max Hall yesterday, he's like, yeah, I'm kind of glad that it went the way it is because I am a legend. Yeah. <laughs> he said multiple people have called me for rivalry week to come on and tell my story. I was a good quarterback. He said I wasn't even a good quarterback. It's just I was a, a hell of a competitor, and I was a hothead. Max was a great quarterback, though. That was don't a, don't yeah. confuse that. No, no. I mean, like, you're not the all-time winningest coach or player or quarterback at BYU for nothing. Although it was funny when he hung up and he's like, I'll talk to you guys next year. Yeah. Yeah, we got, we got to get him back. When I it, just don't bug him because I don't want to. He's got a lot on his plate. a lot dude. on his plate, man. He's coaching. Yeah. He's doing his thing. So, Scotty, every one of the players, and it's just a recurring theme, you know that you can be a local hero, maybe somewhat regional, but more local. Here in the state of Utah, you make a play in this game, and you'll be forever remembered. I I know I bring up that final rush that I had in that, that year where Doman won it for us, and we laugh and joke about it. But the reason I bring it up is because I know when I stood in that huddle, I thought to myself, if I can make this sack and end this game, if I can get this sack and end this game with us getting a last-second touchdown, people will remember this sack. And I fought my butt off to get to the sack. Now, Darnell rolled out. He had good feet, rolled out, and, and lobbed it up, but it was incomplete. I pressured him. Yeah, I, but, but that's probably a completion, and you guys lose that game if you don't Good chance. Pressure. If I don't pressure it, Hulk pressured it too. So Not important. Well, Hulk was on a double cover, double team. I had the single team. He split the double yeah. team and still got there, huh? <laughs> if I remember the play right. But um, I, I knew I could be somewhat of a legend if I, could, if I could make that sack. Every one of these guys, Steve Tate talking to him yesterday, you know, he, he knew that this is legendary status. These guys know that this game sets the legend. That's why you see big plays and big moments in this game every year is because every one of us is sitting there in the locker room thinking – this is it, man. Everybody's eyes in this state are on this game. If I do something here, I am getting a free meal. I am getting, I am getting luxury seating. I am getting tickets to that concert that I want. You know, like, that's in your mind. Yeah. Well, no, you bring up a good point, too, because for in the grand scheme of things, this game doesn't matter a, a ton in terms of, of Utah winning the Pac-12. It doesn't matter a lot in terms of Utah going to a championship game uh, in the Pac-12 or playing in a Rose Bowl. It doesn't matter in terms of BYU still going to get invited to the Big 12. Like, like, this game isn't huge in terms of the ramifications for these individual teams this year. But for these guys, if you are a guy who sacks Charlie Brewer to end the game, it's BYU's up four, and there's – and Utah's at the seven-yard line, and Brewers and and uh, Tyler Batty comes in and gets the sack. Tyler Batty will be remembered forever, hundred percent. And Tyler Batty, two years from now, will be walking into a job interview, or five years from now, or whenever his career's done, and he's got his diploma, and he walks into some you know tech bros office in somewhere in Highland Alpine or Lehigh or wherever, and he's like, "Hey, I look for," you. he's like, 
Tyler Batty, man, that sack against Brewer. You snapped the streak. You won the game. Hey, I got a 401k and stock options for you. Let's go. We need to have guys like that around this organization. Game over. Like, that stuff, I mean, like, you, you think I'm joking, but I'm not. Like, no, not. like the, the, the things that can come for these guys as part of being these uh, part of these teams, the doors just open up for you. If you're remembered now, if you're, you know, a guy who misses a field goal and you clank it off the upright, then you, remember you, that one. you may not get that job. Yeah. Uh, to your point. You know, I, I would say that the Krugers are probably some of the more legendary youths in rivalry history. Paul Kruger in particular, uh, sagging off a look. And I, it might have been Max Hall's junior year that he was talking about, sagging off the look. Remember, there was yeah. a few picks in that game. Yeah. And, and he, had, yep. he sagged out of a defensive stunt and fell right into the quarterback's eyes. And I can't remember if it was Max. It was Max. It was Max. Yeah. Yep. And he picked up all off. by a grass monster. <laughs> Should have had the uh, touchdown. Yeah. yeah, that would have been. Oh, I guess that wasn't part of the streak. I was going to say that'd be ten defensive touchdowns if if the grass didn't get him. But there are legendary Utes that their names are synonymous with this rivalry, and it sits in your mind. That's why you see the big plays because every one of us wants to be the big play. Everyone, we know we're going to get our picture, our name. Just look at the names that are always mentioned with this rivalry. Francis Bernard. Talked about him at length yesterday. Francis Bernard, huge pick six against Zach Wilson. 2019, took it home. Same guy that scored a touchdown for BYU in this very rivalry game. Yeah. But Francis Bernard is a legendary Ute for his pick six, and they're – you know, whatever it was, eighth win in the streak, ninth win. I that don't was their ninth win in the streak. Yeah, I don't think I'm wrong in assuming this. Without double checking it, he's got to be the only guy that scored a touchdown for both BYU and Utah in this rivalry. Like I haven't dug into that, but I can't imagine there has been anybody else that scored a touchdown in this rivalry game for both Utah and BYU. At 975 Hans at Scotty G Zone. If you know different. I can't no. imagine there's another. I mean, there's been some notable transfers, but but somebody to go and score touchdowns for both teams. Always a touchy transfer. You know, Devin Kafusi. Yep. And the Kafusis are, are legendary in this rivalry. But Devin Kafusi was playing with BYU a couple years ago. Now he's all over there at the University of Utah anchoring down that interior defensive line. Devin Kafusi, how, how badly he wants it like Francis Bernard wanted it. Watch Devin do something big because yeah. it's just in, it's in his basement. It's something that's nagging at him and eating at him. And he wants to make it known to BYU, you lost. You lost. When you let me walk and you didn't, whatever it was that irked him, whatever it was why he left, maybe it wasn't BYU's fault, but I promise you in his mind he's thinking something like, you fired my dad. I'm going to make you pay. Yeah. Now, whether he does or doesn't, that's yet to be seen. It's yet to be written. But it's that stuff that sets you up. For those moments. Yeah. You know, I wanted the Utah game. I, I did. I wanted that, that rivalry game. I wanted the Utah State game. 
I wanted everybody in Logan to look at me and be like, well, that sucks. I had some really good plays. Yeah. I had some good plays, but I never hit legendary status. I, I didn't ever get the strip sack and scoop for a score. Like, that's your ultimate as a defensive yeah. lineman. Coming off on a blind side, maybe pursuing on a rollout, coming over the top of that shoulder, raking the ball out, b- being being of mind to post your hand on his helmet as you're getting yourself off the ground, scooping that ball up and seeing a little bit of runway. Like, that's yeah. the ultimate vision. I never got that. Taking that thing into the end zone, handing the ball to Phil, who's standing in the corner of the end zone, winking a little bit. Uncle Phil, if you're listening, I would have never done that. <laughs> 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 and next time you see Scotty, talk to him about what he just said. <laughs> oh, that Shame him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's too far. <laughs> yeah. My uncles are my heroes. I know they are. That's why I thought. But you like to have some fun with them, too. <laughs> okay. You know. Now that you add that little twist, just, that kind of now it makes me want to go back and play that game. <laughs> <one more time. laughs> but no, I mean that's yeah. I think that's what's really fascinating about this. And from a Utah perspective, who's going to be the guy? Or if Utah wins this game, there's usually we're talking about somebody who we didn't spend all week talking about. You know, we know who Charlie Brewer is. We know the receivers. We know, but but is there somebody? that we're not spending a lot of time talking about that all of a sudden we're like, wow, that guy changed the mm-hmm. game. Mm-hmm. Absolutely changed the game. Like, we knew Francis Bernard was a great player for Utah. We knew he was really good, but yeah. he changed that game. He did. And <laughs> he, he was a good backer. Turns out he's currently on the Cowboys roster, too. Still hanging in there, keeping the dream alive. I've got so many different players in mind. Uh, I mentioned a couple of them yesterday. I still feel like... Dallin Holker is going to be a name on BYU side of things. I'd love to see Devin Kafusi be a name on Utah side of things. I always love stories of players that are driven by some type of force to do something great. Yeah. And I think Devin is. I think Devin's one of those guys. I hope he gets plenty of opportunity to do it. If Devin has a strip sack and a fumble recovery in this thing, he will always be remembered in this rivalry. He will always be remembered. Of all the tight ends, by the way, that we've got in this game, the two leading tight ends on either side are going to be Holker and Kincaid. Those will be your those will be your leading tight end receiving yardage in wise. this in this I, game. I think, yeah, yeah. I think because BYU, as you saw in some of the film, BYU better put their nastiest cutthroat dude at all times on Brent Keithy. Otherwise, Keithy will shred a team. He is that type of dude. Yeah. All right, Hans and Scotty here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone, fired up to talk to Rich. How you doing, man? Hey, fantastic. Uh, good to see you guys. Good to see you, Rich. Rivalry week is here. Uh, it's Utah BYU, but hey, you don't whether it's red or blue, you welcome everybody down here. And that's right. We've got fans for both teams down here, so it's uh you know, it doesn't matter to us which team you like. Just come on down. Take care of the car business so you can pay attention to the season. We had a listener come down here, and uh, he listened to us and wanted to grab some jazz gear. And then he goes, I need to go check out that Pathfinder. And one of your guys took him out to take a look at it. Not only do you have the Pathfinder, but you have the Frontier. 
about right. redesign too. Is that is the Frontier out yet? No. Uh, well, we're expecting one here any day. Oh, nice. Yeah, so it's brand new from the ground up. Uh, we've had the old model for about 13, 14 years, yeah. which was tried and true. Wonderful machine, but now it's bigger, better, better than ever. Mm. And uh, it's just gorgeous to look at, and um, it's uh, going to make a real um, real impact on the marketplace. For someone that's looking for a good, fantastic truck to take around the family, to do things around the house, to get good gas mileage, you can't beat this, uh, the Frontier. It's uh, it's really some awesome, awesome opportunities to come down and take a look at these vehicles. You've got an Altima that you can lease for two forty nine a month. You can get in the Rogue for two ninety nine a month, uh, and you're willing to give out some big, big bucks for people's used vehicles too. That's correct. Uh, I've got two hundred fifty used cars to choose from here, and of yeah. course, the big thing now is, do you have any cars? Yeah, yeah, we have tons of them here. So we have all the transportation. Uh, that anybody needs for whatever kind of situation themselves and their family has, uh, we can take care of it and give them a lifetime powertrain warranty I love on that, it. Man. Yeah, the forever, forever warranty is incredible. And, I mean, that's peace of mind because there's people that, you know, they love their vehicle and they bought it here at Tim Daly Nissan. Let's say somebody brought a, bought a 2021 Murano. They love it. They love driving it. And they're like, I'm going to be in this car for a long time. I got my payments the way I like it. But to have that peace of mind knowing that I can put – 200,000 miles on this thing, and it'll be covered. Yeah, why don't you change that to 300,000 miles? There you if go. You want to keep it that long because uh, we'll take care of it for them. They got a warranty on it forever as long as they own that car. We're cutting edge in everything that we do here, whether it's products from Tim Daly Nissan, whether it's services from Tim Daly Nissan, parts, you name it. We do it in a big way. We do a 21st century style to make people feel comfortable and happy that they bought from us. Man, it's a no-brainer. Tim Daly, Nissan, and Murray, 4528 South State Street. Rich and his crew ready to help you out right here on the Zone Sports Network. It's game week for the Utes, and the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. For the first time in two years, it's rivalry week. Kyle Whittingham and the Utes look to make it 10 in a row against the Cougars as the Utes head to Provo for another showdown with BYU. Your home for the best Holy War coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, Nobody brings you better coverage of youth football. You ready? Yeah! Than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. You're listening to the Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. They got uh, three guys they use, 83, 13, and 32, pretty much in that order as far as the amount of snaps. I can't tell you why they didn't go to them more than they did. It didn't appear on film that Arizona was doing anything in particular to take them away. As the game unfolded, it was they just were not a big part of the production that particular night, but they're good players. That is Kyle Whittingham uh, talking about BYU and their group of tight ends and uh, also a little perplexed why they didn't go to the tight ends a little bit more. He said, you know, I didn't see Arizona do anything out of the ordinary to try to take them out. They just didn't target those guys. Uh, I got a sneaking suspicion, though, they will be targeted in this game against Utah. And he mentioned Holker, Wake, and Rex by numbers. Uh I think that Arizona did do some things, but I think it was more focused towards Rex than any others. 
I, I just feel like both these teams, and I, I, I'm not going to say BYU felt like they had that game in the bag because I don't think they did. I think that they all looked at Arizona like it was the most important game in their life in that moment, knowing that if they lost that game, then much less importance would be placed on this game. So I think BYU really did put a lot in that game. But I feel like there was as much gamesmanship as there could possibly be in that game. Yeah. Just like there was gamesmanship from the University of Utah in that game. The truth is, I still think we don't really know what either one of these programs truly is at this point. We just don't have a feel for it. I don't have a feel for hardly anything with the University of Utah, other than I believe Charlie Brewer is a very accurate quarterback. I believe that Utah's offensive line can have a better grade. There's some things that I, I, I can set in stone with, with Utah is in what I know of that team. BYU, there's a little, there's a little less. What I can set in stone on what I know of that team. I feel like I can count on the linebackers. I would think I could count on the tight ends. I'm surprised. I'm as surprised as Kyle is. To be honest with you, you know, you're playing against Arizona. I get Arizona's down, but you're on a neutral field, and you're against a Pac-12 team, and you're opening up a huge season coming off a huge season. I just can't imagine BYU went into that game thinking to themselves, you know what? Let's beat them in these areas, and we're just going to reserve this area for something special. Oh, man, I don't believe that. There's a part of me that wants to believe it because I'm with Kyle Whittingham there. <laughs> like, I can't believe that they weren't the center point, that they weren't the focal point. Maybe it's Jaron. Maybe Jaron all felt more comfortable with Gunner before Gunner went down with an injury. Maybe he felt more comfortable with Neil Pau. Maybe the, the, the routes and the throws felt more comfortable. I still saw tight ends out in routes. Yeah. And uh, going, you know, based on what Kyle Whittingham said, it didn't seem like that I'm sure they, when they saw Isaac Rex out there, they are like, that dude's a problem. We've got to be careful about him. But according to Kyle Whittingham, it didn't seem like Arizona was doing things too out of the ordinary to really focus on taking him out of the game. Uh, I just, it's probably the flow of the game. And if you've got a guy in Powell who's open and, you know, is able to reel in as much as he did, then... I don't think it hurt BYU, but I do think that Isaac Rex in particular, and as you mentioned, Dallin Holker, uh, two guys that can create a lot of problems for defenses out there. Well, Kyle Whittingham knows as much, is mentioned as much, and let's say that they were pulling, who was the old old general back in Desert Storm? Schwartzkopf. Schwartzkopf. Norman Schwartz. Said we're, we're coming in this area and made a public display of it and then came in from a completely different area and, and caught a portion of that military off guard. If BYU's thinking, oh, we got them. Our, our tanks are sitting in perfect position with ground cover over the top and they won't ever see the camo and we're coming blindside. <laughs> Isaac Rex has done enough and Holker before he left on his mission has done enough that those coaches are like oh that's a cute flair yeah we're 
we're going to make sure we shut that down. Problem is, is both of them are capable of breaking through routes and, and breaking through coverages, just like Utah's side of things. Yeah. But there's no question to me that Utah's hit a lot. Utah hit a lot offensively. But there's also no question to me that Aaron Roderick's offense goes a lot deeper than what we saw against Arizona. Yeah. And, 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 you know, from Utah's perspective, you probably hear Aaron Roderick say things like, well, you know, look, we, we kept it pretty vanilla because we didn't know what Arizona was going to throw at us with that new coaching yeah. staff. Yes. And I think there's truth to that, too. But also I think – Play a lot of base. Base but also, looks. But I also think they're like, hey, you know what? If we can win this game with base looks, with base looks, then let's just stick with it. Why show it? And they they were able to do that. But the problem is that base looks always involve those tight ends. So it is kind of bizarre to think. All right, well, what exactly happened there? Yeah, and that, and that's I'm sure that that is well, obviously from that cut that you just played that Lloyd played at Kyle Whittingham. It's obviously on his mind. I think that we we're seeing the the greatest collection of. Uh, of the tight end position group that we've seen in this rivalry from Utah and BYU. These guys are just, I mean, it's a, it's an embarrassment of riches for both these teams right now. And we've seen really good ones. Andrew George and Dennis Pitta together. Um, Jake Murphy and Wesley Tonga. Yeah. Together. Which were highly underutilized. Uh, highly underutilized. Um, uh, Harrison Hanley. And who was, who was the tight end opposite of Harrison Hanley? That's a great question. Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm trying to remember too, but I know that th- I know that there were a couple of tight ends on the field with him. Um, there have been some really good ones, but if you're talking, are you talking about a collective? Well, Jake I, Murphy with uh, Wesley Tonga. Did Jake? I was trying to remember. I thought I, I thought there was, but I could be wrong. I just remember Hanley was on the field with another tight end that was really good. But I just mean collectively on both sides. Too. Yeah, so you're talking about yeah. the full group. Oh, yeah. I think this is the best. But uh, Keithy will be – Keithy could be as high as a back into the third, front into the fourth round draft pick. Dalton Kincaid has the potential to grow into the same level, maybe third, fourth round. Isaac Rex, you know, he'll he'll be a draft pick. Fifth, sixth round. Yeah, Murphy Hawkers. and Hanley did not cross over because he he was uh, undrafted in fourteen. Murphy, that is. Oh, okay. Holker has a long way to go. Um, he's got he's just got a lot to prove. Kincaid's got a lot to prove too. Yeah, they, they both have great athletic ability. I I think that Mason Wake is a college guy. Yeah, no, he's a he. Now that's a guy that we talk about that can use individual moments in a game and can parlay that into a great career. Like, I, I have little doubt Mason Wake's going to be great at whatever he wants to do in his life. It probably won't be at the NFL level, Yeah, but that's all right. And I, I kind of feel the same about Cole Fotherham. It's a fantastic yeah. college tight end. I don't see him as a next-level tight end. Dennis Pitt is kind of the last tight end from – the universities in this state to make noise in the NFL. I, I want to say Dan Coates had a nice little career there for a while. He did with the Bengals. Right? Yeah, but uh, I think it's yeah. Pitt would probably still be in the NFL if if, if, if he was healthy enough. His yeah. hip hip hung in there. Yeah. 
Is there another tight end? Well, as many tight ends as we've churned out. Over Murphy should have, but years. it just didn't work out for him. He Wesley Tonga should have. Yeah. 100%. Oh, well, Matt Bushman was just cut by the Raiders and Lloyd. He's, they, on, he's on their practice squad. They brought him back, didn't yeah. they? Yeah, so he's hanging in there. So he's hanging in there. Yeah, but not, got not long, on the field. Yeah. Got a long way to go to get himself on a football field. Yeah. And hopefully that injury will continue to heal to give him a chance to do that. Um, if you're Utah from the tight end position, I got to imagine you see a real heavy dose. And you, you think before it's all said and done that it'll be Kincaid that has the most yards. catches, yards for tight ends, not necessarily Keithy. Because they'll do everything they can to take Keithy out of the if, game. If you made me predict which tight end out of both teams is going to have the most yardage in this game, I would go with Kincaid. I think we're going to see Keithy used. I, I look. I, one of my favorite plays that Utah does is that it's that H back motion with Keithy. That's either a fly sweep into round or, you know, some type of. Um, some type of motion slant. You know, we've seen him in the run game, and we haven't seen that. You know Andy Ludwig's got that in his back pocket. Yeah. He's got a third and two. You know that you watch Keithy come in motion, or you watch Keithy lined up in a, in a slot, and, he's, and, his, and his separation is cut down a bit. Like there's, They better be watching for that because that's going to be a very valuable play. Yeah, I think Dalton Kincaid has got the the potential to be the guy. He's a special he's a special player. A lot of really individual, really good special players in this thing. Do you see uh, Thomas end up getting? And I want to go back to the comments Kyle Whittingham said about uh, when we were talking about the running back position. We asked him, do you see a guy starting to separate himself? And he goes, I think we're heading that direction. He didn't say it was Tavian Thomas, but you read between the lines, it sounds like Tavian Thomas is going to be the guy that's going to start getting the majority of those carries. So I, I expect Tavian Thomas to be the starter. It was Makai Bernard last week. Yeah. I expect Tavian Thomas to be the starter. A guy that I'm wondering if we don't see a little bit more carries from, possibly, it would be Curry. Maybe a few more handoffs to Curry. Tavian, heavy Tavian Thomas, still a mix of Mackay. But if Mackay comes, or sorry, if Tavian Thomas comes right out of the start and he's just churning yards. Yeah. Uh, Andy Ludwig is, he's a smart man. Kyle Whittingham's perceptive. If Tavian Thomas comes out and he's churning, they're going to go with that, yeah. hot, that hot hand. That's Makes one, sense. That's one thing I think that they're pretty perceptive of even if they've got a rotation chart i've been on both ends of rotation charts like that like hey we're going to give you the first two series and i roll out there for the first two series and i'm pressing hard into gap i get a pressure or two maybe i get a tfl and i'm feeling really good in those two defensive series and and things are already tight in the first quarter and you know they'll look at you and say hey go for the second i've been on the other end like hey two series you're going to be going in and then i'm i'm sitting there on the sideline and i'm like two I, series is my time and they put their arm out and they're like hey uh let darren yancey take this or you know let ifo peely take this or you know what whatever i can't remember who some of the guys in rotation were but i've been there 
And that, but it's the right thing because yeah. if you're perceptive as a player, if you're Mikhail Bernard and you're like, I started last week. They told me I'm going to get a bunch of reps this week. You go to step on the field, but Tavian Thomas is averaging six and a half yards a carry and and broke a 24 yarder for a touchdown. Just take your step back, support the team. It's tough to do though. I can't. <laughs> I can't imagine how hard that is to do. Because you're like, hey, no, no, no. You said, no. You like, I know I said, but guys got it rolling right now. Hard to do, man, because there's a part of you as a competitor that's like, screw this, screw coach, screw this team. I'm going into that portal at halftime. (laughs) Yeah. He's calling his name, image, and likeness agent. Put me in the portal. I'm not not your actual agent. They're like, we... um you know, we can't actually pay you if you don't play. <laughs> uh, hands and Scotty, 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network, 1245. Live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray, 4528 South State Street. Counting you down to kickoff, Utah and BYU. It's all right here on The Zone Sports Network. It's game week for the Cougars. And the Zone Sports Network is getting you ready for kickoff. It ain't over till it's over. The holy war is here. Kalani Sataki and the Cougars look to snap Utah's winning streak at Lavelle Edwards Stadium on Saturday. Your home for the best holy war coverage is right here on the Zone Sports Network. From Monday morning to the post-game press conference, nobody brings you better coverage of Cougar football than 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. All Utes, all the time. This is your Ute Preview Show with Hanson Scotty on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. Your Ute Preview Show here on the Zone Sports Network. Hans Olsen, Scott Gerard. By the way, in honor of uh, Frank Dolce, who uh, will probably be back with us next week for the Ute Preview Show. Should we uh, should we take a look around the Pac-12? Yep. Do we want to? Yeah, actually, I want to see what we've got coming up this week. All right. Pac-12 games. Well, looking back on last week, obviously UCLA has kind of flexed their muscles a little bit with that big win against LSU that uh, I'm kind of surprised by what we're seeing here. Did you see UCLA coming out like this? No. Uh, I asked somebody who is very much close to things at the University of Utah. I asked them what they think of UCLA. And the answer was, they're not real sure how things are going in in Louisiana. Yes, that's that's a good point. And they're not sure that LSU is the juggernaut and the team that it has been, and that there's maybe some unhappiness going on there. Also, the fact that UCLA had an opener against Hawaii and timing and rhythm before they went and took on LSU. But with that being said, they they said that the jury is still very much out to see if UCLA is a for real team. So it's not it's not official that they're for real. Yeah. 
how many times have we seen that where it's, you know, the, the team would good wins or one very good win and, and a win and then doesn't win, then doesn't win a game for the rest of the year. You know, it, it happens. And I could see that being UCLA. Certainly could. <laughs> I hope we're still on the air. Lloyd, can you hear us? Oh, okay. okay. So, uh, I don't know. I just think the jury's still out. I'm not ready to crown yeah. him. No. Yeah. So, uh, well, what are your thoughts with Chip Kelly? Has Chip Kelly reinvented the reinvented? Like his, because we know his will got a little old. So did he get go back to the will and say, all right, well, I, I, I invented this, but I got to do this different. I, I'm leaning that way. I, I'm, I'm leaning a little on UCLA. I think I think I'm buying a little bit of the hype right now. Okay, so who they got this week? Uh, let's see here. Week two should probably start with UCLA out of the gates. So uh, UCLA all eyes will be on them. Are they? Do they have a bye week already? They do. They're not playing this week. Oh wow. Okay. Um. Well, they can continue to be a legend for one more week. Who do they have next week, Lloyd? Fresno State on the 18th. Uh, could be I that mean, they'll win that game, but Fresno's pretty good. That'll be a good game, though. Yeah, Fresno will give them a fight. Better than Hawaii. Uh, yeah, no doubt. Um, all right, so your game's coming up this week. Obviously, the marquee game is Oregon on the road to the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. That's not going to go well. Uh, probably not. Ohio State, a 14-and-a-half-point favorite. Based on what I saw from Oregon in week one. Against Fresno, wasn't it? It was against Fresno. USC was San Jose State, right? Uh, yes. Yeah, so Oregon was, Oregon was Fresno. Uh, so if Oregon somehow, who still is ranked 12th in the country, can find a way to get a W, then Oregon right now is in the, uh, in the driver's seat for an opportunity to get a chance in a college football playoff. But the likelihood of going to Columbus and getting a win. Now, remember, Ohio State was supposed to go to Oregon last year. That game was supposed to be played in Eugene. But because of COVID, that got wrecked. Was this a reschedule off that? No, it couldn't. No, no, it was always going to be a home-and-home. Home. Okay. Now, I don't know if they've rescheduled the game in Columbus anytime soon. These guys have their schedules so so set for years in advance. I don't know if Oregon's going to get that return trip anytime soon. How took does Oregon feel right now? Yeah, big time. That they didn't get that home yeah. game. Yep. Uh, Texas A&M will be at Colorado. Texas A&M now ranked fifth in the country, so... That may not go well for Colorado. Oh Cal gosh. hits the road to take on TCU. TCU oh, at 12-point favorite. That's going to be a loss. So far, it's 0-3. Yep, you're right. Um, Portland State will be at Washington State. How good is Portland State? Uh, I don't think they're a particularly good Big Sky team. I hate that. I have to ask that. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's a fair question to ask. Washington, coming off that loss to Montana, they're going to the big house to take on Michigan. Michigan, a seven-point favorite in that game. Probably going to lose that one. Yep. Oh, by the way, I've got somebody asking me how good Ohio State is. Ohio State is – they were a preseason ranked top five. Yeah, right now they're, top, they're, number, they're number three. Minnesota game a little bit. Uh, P.J. Fleck, Fleck was, Minnesota's rowing, good. was rowing that boat, and uh, they, they hung in there a little bit. It was like 45-31 was the final. 
It's a good, really fun game. But Minnesota's good. Yeah, Minnesota's a good team. So Ohio State with a good win, 45-31, is Scotty Mitch. And that's what I think this will end up being, is somewhere in that range of 42-28. to 28. I think Oregon will score some points. Oregon will hang in there a little bit, but in the end it will be a double-digit loss. Uh, San Diego State hits the road. They'll take on Arizona. Arizona a two-point. Wow, Arizona is a two-point favorite against the Aztecs. Ooh. You kids out there may want to take a look at that one. That's one to watch, huh? Yeah. I think San Diego State can beat Arizona. Uh, Where's that at? That's it's in Tucson. Tucson. Stanford, after their dismal performance, taking on USC. The Trojans are a 17-point favorite against Stanford. How far has the Cardinal fallen? And are we at a point now where their coach might be on the hot seat? It has to be. Which bums me out because he's one of my favorite people on the planet. Yeah, David Shaw's great. But he's got to be on that hot seat. If he comes out of this season with a losing season, he's definitely going to be on that hot seat. Might be there. They've recruited well. They have. They have. Uh, Maybe if they get a new coach on there, they'll leave the state of Utah alone a little bit more. Uh, So so there's a certain loss. Well, that's a certain loss for a a Pac-12 team because they're faced off against each other, but probably Stanford. Um, Yeah. I don't think you're at a point now where you're going to say the uh, predict the Utah BYU game. I'm going to say San Diego State beats. Yeah, that's my thought. Arizona. I think so too. The Pac-12 could have another really bad week. Also, I don't think these two teams are in much of a danger. Arizona State's welcoming in UNLV. Arizona State will win that game easily, and then Hawaii plays in Corvallis against Oregon State. That should be a win for Oregon State. So there's two wins there. Yeah, should be, right? I would think so. So, all right, so Oregon's going to lose. Colorado's going to lose. Cal's going to lose. There's three losses. Washington State will win. Uh, Oregon State will win. Arizona State will win. Those are your th- So the, there's six non-conference You're games. You're three and three. You should probably be three and three in that stretch. And then... The uh, the coin toss in the the other non-conference game is going to be Utah and BYU. So if Utah wins that, Pac-12 probably goes 4-3 and three in non-conference games. You know what's interesting is you go through these games, it's telling me more and more that Utah's kind of bearing a flag right now. They are. They absolutely are. It's a good point. They're kind of – they the Pac-12 needs them. Yeah. And if George Klyakov's got any sense – He'll start to really promote them, especially if Utah gets a win over BYU. You've got to really start to put Utah in every major time slot yeah, and start to promote them because I think Oregon's going to get beat up by Ohio State. Yeah. Hans and Scotty, we're live here at Tim Daly Nissan in Murray. Rich is with us once again. And, Rich, so on the sheet it says 14 different models, 0% financing. That 14 different models is every model, right? That's every single model we got. So every model, new model here, you can get with 0% financing. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. You can't beat it. It's a great time to get a car. Does that include the uh, Titan? That includes the Titan. Our number one selling big truck. Mm. That's much, a beast, isn't so, it? Oh, it's a beast. 12, 13,000 pounds if you need to pull with that thing. And room for, you know, room for six. Squeeze a little bit more in there, and drives like a dream. I've had I've had two I've had a really really good day in my life this year and a really really bad day. 
Number one, the good day was coming by and picking up that Titan to drive down to Vegas. Good day. The bad day was dropping it off after coming back from Vegas. <laughs> yeah. You made, that him, you made him bring it back. It's an absolute joy to drive. Well, you know, you sit up so high up on the road. I know. You right? see everything. You feel like you're the eagle but, looking down, <laughs> traveling as you go, and everybody's going around you View down the world. below. Yep. You know, you're on the second floor. Yeah. Everybody else is on the first floor. It's a good feeling. But, you know, the other Safe. thing, it drives so well because, you know, I grew up on a farm up in Idaho. And hands did as well. And it, trucks were a little different back then. I mean, it was bench seating. You felt every bump on the road. And, I mean, it was there to work. And you that was it. It was back in the 19th or the 20th century. <laughs> <laughs> talking in the 90s. How about yeah. that? Yeah. Okay, the we'll turn of the 90s. Yeah. yeah. No. And so you felt every bump. And, and, uh, and it wasn't there for comfort. It was there for work. Well, now you've got a Titan that can do both because it's comfortable. It rides extremely well. And it can do all the things you need it to do from a, a towing capacity. It's got all the beauty you need when you're going to the opera. Yep. And then it's got all the workhorse you need when you're working on the farm. There you go. There you go. It's a little bit of both. And the forever warranty attached to all these new vehicles. And what about 98% of your used inventory, too? That's the groundbreaking exclusive to Tim Daly Nissan. You buy the car here, you get a lifetime powertrain warranty mm. as long as you own the vehicle. Do you have a Pathfinder on the lot? I might have one in the back right now. And, you know, I just want to say, for the folks that are trying to get these cars, we are pre-selling these units. Good. And we have a list of what's coming in. I know some of the folks that have been looking out there are finding that it's hard to find anybody's kind yeah. of car out here. We're just pre-selling them, and that's the way to buy them these days. We've had two listeners come in today. Yeah. Looking to, for that Pathfinder. To look at that Pathfinder. Yeah. They're, they're, people are loving it. Well, it's a beautiful car. We've had millions of people buy them over the years. So uh, we have a Pathfinder feel, following that's as big as anybody's in the industry. My wife is a uh, my wife is a huge Pathfinder fan. She's on her third, and uh, she's already eyeing this uh, this next one too. So come down here, Tim Daly Nissan in Murray, forty five twenty eight South State Street. Let's go. Let's get you squared away with a beautiful new ride, and uh, come with that. For, and it comes with that forever warranty right here on the Zone Sports Network.